Life changes, God doesn't. I'd like to introduce ourselves. I'm Jessica Bordalo, and I get to coordinate Lutheran Youth Fellowship. Um, it's a ministry that enables teens to use their God-given gifts to lead and to serve and to share their faith. Um, the unique thing, I mean, there's a lot of different kinds of retreats and Bible study programs and ministries for teens. What I like about what we do is that we try to put leadership into your hands because teens can lead. Because you are not the church of tomorrow. You're the church right now. You can use your gifts right now and you can lead right now. And we want to help you be able to do that. Um, so Lutheran Youth Fellowship designs resources and training events to give you those tools. We believe so strongly that youth can lead that our executive team was made up of youth. They were elected as teens by their peers at our training event. They, this is our, our executive team, and they serve a three-year term. This is their last thing before they're done. Kind of sad. I will miss, I will miss this executive team. They're awesome. Um, but at our training events, they lead it. They're going to be speaking at this session. I mean, the event is actually planned and led by youth. And so that can inspire you that you can lead to and give you an example that you can do it and you can do it right now because God's working through you right now. So I'd like you to meet them and they can introduce themselves. My name is Connor. I'm from Kansas. Woo there it is. Hey, I'm Rachel and I'm from San Diego. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dane. I'm from North Dakota. Hi, I'm Kira, and I'm from New York. Yes. And I'm Justin. I'm from Michigan. There we go. Uh, yeah, that's right. Get started. Okay. Uh, maybe I'll hold it. Oh, there we go. Okay. So, how's everyone doing? How's NYG going? Is it going well? Good. All right. So today we're going to talk about storms. Uh, every one of us uh, faces storms in our day-to-day -day lives, right? Things that go wrong, things that upset us or hurt us or otherwise knock us off course. These storms have huge impacts on our lives and how we see ourselves. Storms make us question our identities, especially when they have their foundations and things that can change. However, we'll see that our God is a solid rock and that when we find our identity in him, we have an unchanging foundation to stand on. So the speaker we're going to be listening to today, who's in all of the videos, his name is Micah Steiner. He's a DCE in Colorado and he worked with our amazing leader, Jessica, to help develop the Bible study resource that um, we're going to be showing you guys today. Um, yeah, so let's just go ahead, start the first video, and listen to what he has to say about what it means to weather a storm. Study. 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 Study.
Hi, my name is Micah Steiner, and I serve as the Director of Discipleship at a church way out in Centennial, Colorado, just south of Denver. Today we're talking about change, and this location where we're shooting actually exemplifies change really well. This building used to be a church, and the congregation realized that the neighborhood was changing, that the, the outreach, the ministry needed to change as well. And while that might have been painful for some, now they've turned it into a coffee shop. The result of that change is now people are hearing the gospel for the very first time where they never would have heard it had the church not initiated that kind of change. Lives are being touched. The gospel is being shared. And despite all that change, one thing actually did not. There's still a cross on the wall, which tells us that even though everything around us might change, that's something we can cling to, put our hope in, because the solid rock of Christ never changes. So if you have a Bible, if you have an app on your phone, I encourage you to open that up and uh, look at Matthew 7, starting with verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. To get that point across, then he tells two stories. Uh, one is a story about a person who builds a house, but he builds it deep down in the foundations of solid rock so that when a storm comes, um, when the river, the water rises and the storm comes, the house is sturdy, even though around it, uh, externally, there's a lot of uh, uh, damage that could be happening to the house. It manages to stay because it's been built on the rock. But then the second house that he talks about in verse 26, those of us who maybe hear God's word but don't put them into practice, he said it's like a person who builds a house on sand. So that same storm comes and the rivers, uh, the waters rise and the winds come and it actually knocks the house down in a great crash is what uh, the scripture says. So a couple things to consider about these verses before we go on. Uh, number one, it tells us that regardless of whether or not you're a Christian, uh, the storm will come. Uh, being a Christian doesn't necessarily protect us from bad things happening. And Jesus is saying, hey, be prepared for that. I think this really flies in the face of our culture. Uh, you might have heard that uh, maybe God just wants you to be happy. Or you've been tempted to think to yourself, you know, as a Christian, I don't, I don't deserve this bad thing happening to me, this, this change that's occurring in my life. And Jesus is here to say, well, I got bad news for you. Uh, in this broken world, change will happen. And so the key teaching that Jesus would have us uh, know from these verses is that we can actually weather any change, um, anything that comes our way in this life, whether it's in the form of temptation, whether it's in the form of just evil coming in and, and messing with us. Maybe it's just even something happens that you would never have thought would happen to you before. Jesus gives us the ability to weather these storms, to weather the change. Not only that, he kind of one-ups us and he says, not only can you weather the storm, with me as the solid foundation. I can use that change and do something amazing with it. And that's what we're going to kind of focus on next. So a quote from that video that I want you guys to focus on is this. The storm will come. In this broken world, change will happen. But we can actually weather any change. Jesus gives us the ability to weather these storms. Now, when we talk about this idea of weathering a storm, there is a definition we want to give you guys, and it's like this. To continue 
despite serious problems or to make it through despite damage. So I guess what we're trying to say is that we can, by, by weathering a storm, it does not mean that all the suffering and pain from these storms we go through in our life go away. Unfortunately, we still do live in a sinful world and we still see the effects of that. But the good news is we have Christ Jesus and through our hope in him, we are able to weather the storm. We can still be a house that is left standing after the storm. <clears throat> okay, who's a little warm? Yeah, it's all right. We're going to stay awake. We're going to do this. So uh, Micah talked a little bit about that, that house, uh, the house built on a rock parable that Jesus was talking about. And we wanted to share with you a little bit more about that. Um, this is part of a large group of teachings by Jesus where large crowds would gather to hear what he had to say. And so that he could speak to all of them, he would go up on a mountainside so that he could speak over them and all of them could hear him. This is what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. The sermon is actually the longest teaching that we have recorded of Jesus, and it spans three whole chapters of Matthew. And what's really significant about this sermon is that Jesus talks a lot about how we as Christians should live our lives and how to live out our faith. But beyond that, this teaching talks about a lot of the amazing things our God has also done for us. He's provided a lot for you and I, and so we're going to talk a little bit more about that and what it's like to live on a rock. So I want to open us up to Matthew 7, Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. If you guys have your Bibles with you, feel free to follow along. So it says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. Life changes. It's not new information. One minute everything is fine and your biggest concern is the next homework assignment. It's not small, but you know. But the next minute... Your family's moving, your loved one's sick, your friends abandon you, you feel alone. The ground that we walk on, it's shaky at best. It's the shifting sand. There are storms all around us. Life changes, but God does not. He's the only solid ground, the only support that will never leave us. He doesn't promise to make those storms go away. Storms will come. But he does promise to be with us through them and to help us weather these storms. God made us that promise, and his promises are the most solid and unshakable ground that we have. And our identity is in that unshakable ground, in him. So this brings us to that next video. And as you watch, as someone else introduces it, think about the sandy foundations that we sometimes turn to when our own identity is shaken. Yeah, so like Rachel said, we're going to return to Micah now. And we're going to listen to him talk about his experiences in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina uh, about 12 years ago. Um, so on August 29th, 2005, Hurricane Katrina struck the Gulf Coast of the United States. It was the largest and third strongest hurricane ever recorded to make landfall in the U.S. 
and it's estimated that 80% of the city was underwater, uh, in some places up to 20 feet deep. So that's deeper than your school's swimming pool. Katrina caused $81 billion in property damage, and there are estimates that say the total cost in Louisiana and Mississippi was over $150 billion, which would make it the costliest hurricane in U.S. history. All told, the death toll says that 1,836 people died as a result of Hurricane Katrina. Most of the victims were from Louisiana and Mississippi, and more than half of them were elderly. So, um, 705 are still reported as missing. This is obviously a massive storm that hit the community, and it was an incredible challenge to overcome. But, I mean, like we saw three years ago, the city is still, still going and still thriving. So let's hear what Micah has to say about his experiences watching uh, that community after such an unprecedented storm. Hurricane Katrina caused billions of dollars of damage. Many people lost their lives. Thousands more uh, were homeless. Their homes just completely obliterated. And my church, like a lot of different churches across the United States, uh, felt called to go help with the, the uh, incredible recovery efforts. And as we got into New Orleans for the very first time, I'll never forget the site that we saw. It was like a war, war zone that you see on the History Channel watching World War II or Vietnam clips. And one thing in particular struck us. Uh, neighborhood after neighborhood, we would see buildings completely demolished or completely just wiped out from the flooding and from the winds. And yet throughout the city, we found one thing that actually managed to survive. They were 100-year-old-plus trees. And we asked our guide about it, and, and our guide, a pastor at one of the local churches, said that those trees were able to survive because their root system were so dug down deep into the soil that not even the 100-plus mile-per-hour winds or the powerful 50-foot waves that, that wiped out every man-made thing that was there, not even that could destroy these trees because their roots were so deeply embedded in the ground. And as we sat around the church that night, the, the very first night, to discuss what we had seen, and we spent some time in prayer and in Bible study, one of our students discovered a verse that has been a part of my life ever since. It comes from the book of Colossians, chapter 2. Paul says, So then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Just like the surviving trees of Hurricane Katrina, what Paul is saying is that when our faith is so deeply rooted in Christ, there's nothing, no storm, no struggle, no temptation that can pull us away, that can pull our roots out of, of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let me ask you a question. As you're sitting here watching this video, and you can be honest, how many of you have looked at your phone to check a social media account, Instagram or Snapchat? Because if you're like most students uh, who, on average, check social media over 100 times a day, you probably have been, attempted, have been tempted once to at least scroll through and see if somebody gave you a like on uh, one of your pictures. And don't worry, this is not the, the uh, social media is bad talk. But I do want to just kind of dial in a little bit on how social media can be an identity former. Here's what I mean. Uh, have you ever sent out a Snapchat that nobody replied to? Did you post something, a picture that maybe you were criticized for, somebody made a nasty comment, or maybe nobody commented at all? Or maybe you saw a picture on Facebook of some friends hanging out and you realize that you didn't get invited to that party. Whatever the case, and adults do this as well, we can have this negative internal monologue that goes through our mind. Uh, it tells us words like, uh, we hear words in our head like, you're a loser, you're not popular, you're unworthy. 
And all these things can have a negative impact on our identity. And that's just social media. Think about relationships, for example, your boyfriend or girlfriend. If you have too much of an emphasis of identity, uh, where you get too much uh, of your identity from those relationships, and that boyfriend, that girlfriend, they break up with you, uh, that can really hurt. Maybe your parents are fighting and you're worried they might get divorced, or maybe you're a, an athlete or in band or choir, gifted musician, but then somebody else comes along who's better, more gifted than you are. They take your position. What does that do to your identity? Well, if you're like me, uh, it, it hurts. You Again, the internal negative monologue gets played over and over and over in your head, and you might actually start to believe the lie that Satan is, is telling to you in that moment, that you're not worth it, that you're unpopular, that you're unlovable. If that's you, then we need to go back to God's word and find out where our real identity comes from. Again, Paul says in Colossians 2, so then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, here's the word, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See, just like those trees could survive the Hurricane Katrina powerful winds because their roots were deeply rooted in the ground, we can survive the onslaught, the attack from the enemy when our internal monologue is over and over negative and our, our identity has started to be formed and rooted in things that aren't made to last, like relationships, for example. And let's be honest, these things hurt. Maybe, you've never, maybe no one's ever given you permission to be mad or be frustrated about these things that happen to us that, that feel like a Hurricane Katrina. I don't know anybody who finds out that they weren't invited to a party or gets broken up with a boyfriend and is, is actually excited about it. That doesn't happen, that's not real life. These things hurt, they sting. But when our faith is deeply rooted in Christ, they're survivable. They're survivable because we know that these things don't define us. The only thing that lasts, the only thing that defines us is this incredible, amazing love that God has for us in his son, Jesus Christ. And yes, it hurts. But when we have that kind of, that, that, those deep roots planted in, even though, I mean, I, you look at these pictures from Hurricane Katrina, and some of these trees were really beat up. The, the limbs were ripped from their, their tree trunks. The leaves were completely blown away, and yet the tree survived. Nobody likes that kind of trauma. Nobody likes that kind of change. And yet when our faith is, set, is that deeply rooted in Christ, we're promised this intimate type of relationship with God our Father. In fact, Jesus in the Gospels says that we have such a close relationship with him, we can actually call God, the creator of the universe, we can call him our daddy. That's the tender, sweet language that Jesus uses to describe the relationship between us, his children, and him, our heavenly father. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. You should feel bad for the rest of them. It's kind of smelly up here, too. <laughs> okay, I'm going to have everybody do something with me real quick. I want you to lift your hands up and stretch. Oh. Oh. There we go. Great. I know the heat can make it a little tiring, so I thought we'd do a little quick stretch. All right, well, like Michael was saying, there's plenty of different ways that you can find your self-identity or your self-worth from different areas in life. You can get good, maybe from good grades, maybe from being a fantastic artist, 
Maybe you get your identity and your self-worth from your looks or from your athletic ability, maybe from relationships, either with friends or boyfriends and girlfriends. None of these things are bad in themselves, but they don't always last. Time and circumstances will make them fall away. I'd like to share a story about how my identity and my self-worth were changed. I talked about those relationships, specifically for me, my friends were what I put a lot of my self-worth into. I'm an extroverted kind of person. I like everybody to like me. I love it when everybody in the room knows me. And when I went into middle school in the seventh grade, a long time ago, <laughs> I made it my mission to be everybody's friend, and I really pretty well succeeded. I knew a lot of people. I'd go into a room, and there wasn't really anybody I didn't know or somebody I couldn't find to talk to. I felt like I knew everybody and that they knew me, and I was well-liked. A seventh grade year came and went, and in between seventh and eighth grade, my family had decided to move. I was moving to a new school within a month, and so I had no chance to tell my classmates, just the closest friends that I had. I said goodbye to all of them, and off we went. August rolled around, and there I was, the new kid with no friends and no one to talk to. You see, I placed so much of my self-worth into being friends with everybody that when I went to a new school, I wasn't confident, I wasn't happy, I was scared. I had no one to turn to, and I felt like everything I had built in seventh grade was all for nothing, and I felt like I was a loser. The thing that I placed the most value on was gone. So I want everyone to hear what I'm about to say. Your identity is a loved, Wanted, rescued, saved, forgiven child of God does not change when you go through any storm in life. Everything else can crumble down, whether it's athletics or music or popularity in school or a relationship or any, any of these things. All of these securities can and probably will and probably have failed all of you at some point. Your defining foundation and worth and identity is in Jesus Christ, and that stands solid through every storm. A pastor who lived uh, a long time ago, you may have heard of him, his name is Martin Luther, uh, said this about identity. You can only become sure and genuine and complete in Christ alone. For in him we have everything, so that we need nothing besides him. This is the most important thing I want you guys to take away from today, that no matter what, your identity in Christ is on a solid foundation, and when these other things fail, that holds true. Okay, I know I left on a sad note, so wipe away your tears. We'll have a talk. So like I said from my story, seventh and eighth grade me, um, little seventh grade me, sad and alone. But that's not how that story ended. You see, my youth group at my church decided that we were going to take a trip to Kansas City to the theme park to have a fellowship activity. One of the girls in my youth group brought along one of her friends, Grace. And Grace went to the new school that I was going to go to. Now, that's pretty remarkable and coincidental and lucky because I got to know Grace really well, and I'm very thankful for that. But even if Grace hadn't gone on our trip, there were other ways that God was there for me in those first few weeks of new school. Despite not knowing anyone, I always had God giving me strength and comfort throughout the whole process. Some days it was so hard to go to school knowing that perhaps I would never find anyone to talk to or never find a group that I would fit in with. But when you root your identity in Christ, 
you get his confidence and his strength and his ability to weather that storm. Even after long days of trying and failing to meet new people, I was able to come home to the blessings that God had given me, my friends and my, fam or my family and the new home that he'd given us. After a few weeks at my new school and after meeting my new friend Grace, a guy came up to me in the locker room and said, hey, I say you're new here. I see you're new here. Some friends and I are thinking about having a bonfire and we'd like to have you come. It's kind of random. People don't generally just walk up to you and invite you to their house. Some random stranger. In early September, I had joined the cross-country team, and I walked into the locker room, and I looked around, and I didn't know anyone. I couldn't see anyone that I knew. And once again, some random guy came up to me and said, hey, you want to join my running group? You see, all of these things wouldn't have happened if I hadn't had the strength to join the teams, to go and be a part of groups. And all of that strength and all of that identity came from Christ. God works in mysterious ways, but if you put that faith in him, he will carry you through the storm and out through the other side. Okay, so this Rooted Identity resource, the videos, um, come also with a whole printed resource. This is like a mini part of Rooted Identity, the written course. Um, this is a half an hour long session, six hours long in four different units. So this is the kind of resource that Lutheran Youth Fellowship creates that you can use in your congregations. Um, you can have your youth lead it the way that, that my executive team led it. You can lead it, and these resources are very inexpensive. They are a dollar. <laughs> um, you can find them on the eSource, youthesource.com. That's the youth ministry resource site. Almost everything on there is free, youth leaders, devotions, Bible studies, skits, everything. Um, and, but the video resources the, from LYF, they cost a dollar. So please check it out right down this website. Use these resources. They're there for you. There's more to Rooted Identity. You just saw a little bit of it. Um, resources are a big part of what we do in Lutheran Youth Fellowship. But the other major part is the events, the training events that are led by this group. And that's what you're going to talk about, right? And Kira's going to talk more about that. All right, now I get to talk. All right, I just wanted to share a little bit about my experience with um, LYF just so that you guys could kind of get a youth's perspective or I was a participant at one time, so like that perspective, I guess. Um, so I started my time at LYF uh, when I was a sophomore in high school. I'm now going into my senior year in college, so I've been doing this for six years. Um, I was super shy, didn't know what I was getting into, also didn't want to be there. Um, but my youth leader saw something in me that I didn't necessarily see. And so, despite me not wanting to go, I ended up in St. Louis at the conference that I had never heard of. Over the span of just that weekend, though, I was inspired to lead. Not to the point of, like, standing right here and talking to you guys. That took about six years. Um, but... I did become the assistant leader for my youth group. And I worked with my youth group leader to kind of organize Bible study times. And we built up um, a youth group. It wasn't big, but it went from just being me and my two sisters to being me and a couple of the other youth in our church. It was still small, but it was something. Um, developing those Bible studies not only helped me to learn how to lead, though, it also uncovered the amazing love and passion that I had in me for God. I was going through a little bit of a rough patch, 
And being able to do that, become a leader for others, also helped me develop that kind of Christian love in myself. So I attended LYF the following year because I knew I still had so much to learn and I wanted to go back. And I definitely made the most of it. I had already grown significantly in my leadership. But again, I was in the point... Uh, I was at a point in high school where I was super in desperate need for a strong community. And so that year at LYF, I not only continued to develop my leadership, but that, that weekend also made me more confident in myself and proud of the identity that, I, that God was showing me that I had. Uh, the identity which was rooted in Christ, as we've been talking about. Slowly, I became a strong leader who was confident in teaching at district youth gatherings and other district events. Uh, the final year that I was able to be a participant of the training, I could tell God was calling me to run for the executive team. And so I did, and I um, think me being right here is a spoiler, I did get on the team. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I knew that God had led me to become, to get on that team. Um, not just to become a Christian leader, but also because I needed far more nourishment and I wasn't done with LYF yet. So for the past year, three years, I've been the East Southeast representative for the executive team. And God has given me so many opportunities to continue to enrich that identity, but also to help others kind of start on their journey to finding their identity, which has been amazing. Um, whenever I'm asked about LYF or when my leadership ability is acknowledged. I first think about the amazing blessing it was that I had from those two Christian leaders, my youth group leader and my pastor, um, to have them as role models to force me, basically, to go to the event in St. Louis. No matter one's reason for being there, um, nor no matter one's background, I've always heard the same reflected about LYF. I've never heard a bad thing about this event, which is pretty fantastic to say. Um, not only does it provide an extensive Christian community and network, but it's also such an amazing opportunity in which this natural leadership is inspired and brought out of the youth by God. I'm definitely still an introvert, definitely still don't enjoy public speaking. However, God <laughs> reconciled those dissonant parts of my personality to kind of help me find my identity, which is amazingly rooted in Jesus. And so if you can, I would invite you to definitely get involved with LYF. And so, all right. Speaking of getting involved with LYF, we're gonna tell you some ways how you can get connected to LYF. So of course, LYF stands for Lutheran Youth Fellowship. And of course, the big part of that is fellowship, which means that we are a community. We love to be around people. Um, we'd love for you all to be a part of our, this great community we have. And one of the ways we can do that is if you all want to get your phones out, feel free to do so. And if you open up your Facebook app and type in LCMS Lutheran Youth Fellowship, it is a private page, but if you all, um, we threw out this weekend, um, like try to add yourself to it, we will accept you all because we want to grow our community and we just love the fellowship. Um, so... Yep, so feel free, you can do that. You can do it later, too, if you need to. Um, oh, yes, thank you. Also, um, we have a booth upstairs in the main convention center floor. Um, so in the big floor, there's kind of like three 
big domes kind of in the ceiling. We're underneath the center one, and we're the, called the youth booth with all the LCMS youth ministry um, stuff there. So you can come check it out. We'd love to hang out, get some free buttons and badges. It's a great time. But, of course, now we also want to end our time here in prayer. So, Rachel. All right. We are going to go to our rock, our firm foundation, in prayer. So if you guys uh, would like to bow your heads, fold your hands, do whatever you do that is comfortable when you pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here today, Lord. Thank you for speaking to us, for these leaders who pour into us, Lord. Thank you for each person in this room, for the leadership that they have, for uh, the personalities and the gifts that you've given them, Lord. I pray that you help them to remember their identity, Lord, and that their identity is in you, and that you, Lord, protect them and enable them to go out into your world and preach your love and your gospel to everyone. Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.